Good morning. It's good hanging out with you guys. I tell you, I want to let you know um, about a resource that we have at our resource table. It's called Real Marriage. It's called The Truth About Sex, Friendships, and Life Together. I'd encourage you, if you've not picked this up, we're going to be selling this for the next couple of weeks uh, as we're going through our Homewrecker series. It has a lot of good stuff in there. In fact, our community group, we're actually going to be starting this study next Sunday. So I would encourage you guys, if you hadn't got it, you may want to pick it up. Um, I think it costs like $22.99, but we're selling for $20 bucks for two reasons. Number one, $22.99 is kind of an obtuse number. Uh, and two, we would like to be able to be able to put some money on this so that you can be able to have a resource for a little bit cheaper than you can get at Lifeway because we believe in it. Um, so as we are uh, uh, getting into today's message, I want to kind of let you know where we've been. If this is your first time here at One Church, um, you're kind of smack dab in the middle of the series. And I'd encourage you guys to go uh, on our website and you can listen or watch the previous message. But I'm going to kind of wrap up a 40-minute talk that both my wife and I, this is Kim, y'all say hello to Kim. Morning. Uh, that we did last Sunday. And it was this idea of desires and expectations. How many of y'all were here last Sunday? Let me see your hands. Cool, great. Um, we talked about that all of us, when we're single, we have a bunch of desires, right? And there's nothing wrong with any of these desires. We have these desires of what our spouse might do and what we hope that they're going to do once we get married. And uh, as we have these desires, we go into marriage, and many times we have these desires because we saw what our mom did for our dad, or what our dad did for our mom, or maybe even what we've seen in culture. Well, we come to marriage on that wedding day with a big box of desires. And what happens It was when we say, I do, we did, and we dump all of our desires into another category. And, the, and, it, and it's expectations. And when we take those good desires and we place them on expectations on our spouse, it weighs them down. It just weighs them down. And we talked last week that when that happens... What happens is you get into this mindset that our spouse owes me something. And you, you, you get into this debt-debtor relationship. And when the, the relationship devolves into a debt-debtor relationship, all the good, ooey-gooey, passionate stuff, the reason why you got married in the first place, all of that goes out the window. And what you have is just a big bunch of weight of expectations. And we ended last week with just an imagine idea. Imagine. Imagine what your marriage would be like if you took all of those expectations you placed on your spouse and you've taken, you take them out of the expectations category and you put it back in the category that it's, it belongs, and that is the desires category. Imagine what your relationship with your spouse would look like if you spent more time, more time, looking at your responsibilities in the relationship and not on your rights. What if, imagine what that relationship would look like if you spent more time, if I spent more time, figuring out what filled Kim's sales and what her desires were. And imagine what that would look like if Kim spent all of her time looking at what I want and, and my desires. Imagine what that would look like. It sounds good, doesn't it? Thank you. All right. <laughs> Thank you. This is, a, this is all skateboarding. You know, we, oh, were, we were talking a little bit about desires and expectations. Was that this morning? I think it was this, this morning. morning. Yeah. Yep, yep. 
you know, it's Mother's Day, and let me say happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, I have a great appreciation for all of you. And, um, I, you know, Chris was saying, you know, would it be, um, you know, what, what do you want for Mother's Day? Because I guess that he's expecting that I desire <laughs> something for Mother's Day. And um, I was like, you know what, Sundays are crazy for us. Um, as they are for many of you, I'm sure. But, you know, by the time we finish, we get up, we come, we set up, we do two services, we tear down, we get home. You know, it's usually like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And i got to be honest, at the Edmondson house, when you walk in the door on a Sunday afternoon, the only two things required are get out of your clothes and get in the bed. I mean, that's just, it's nap time, you know? So, uh, anyway, okay, not, let's not, just don't. Just say it. Just don't, just don't. Song just of Solomon, don't. it's biblical. Not now. All right. <laughs> Not now. Back to, back to the point of the <laughs> illustration. Anyway, so a couple of years ago, um, as is usually the case with Sunday holidays, I think Chris must have realized that he had not made it to any sort of business establishment to get me anything. Now, not, just, not just a gift, but not a card, not anything. And so in his uh, worry of thinking that I expected some recognition for Mother's Day, at some point, and I don't know when, on that day, he was able, to, he managed to get a card. And so he comes to me, and he brings me the card, and I'm like, oh, that's sweet, thank you. And I open up the card, and I pull it out, and it says, Happy Mother's Day to a great aunt. <laughs> that wasn't quite what I expected. Now, and you need to know this. You said this first service. Actually, I didn't get it. I actually got that card like two weeks before. Oh, even better. Even better. And wait, we wait, pay attention as we read the guard. All right, we need to continue on. All right. <laughs> Wonderful aunt. Yeah, All that right, was yes. good. So mm, mm. thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. That was lovely. Mm. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, expectations. Um, you know, and as we, as we talk today about unforgiveness, which I have, I have forgiven you. Thank you. For that, by the way. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, um, as we, as we think about that, you know, what happens when we find ourselves in a place when our, in our relationship where we begin to feel like maybe our spouse doesn't deserve forgiveness? Maybe my husband doesn't deserve it. Maybe my wife doesn't deserve it. There's too much hurt that's gone by. There's too much water under the bridge. Too many hurtful things have been said and done throughout the years. And even if I were willing to forgive, they probably wouldn't be willing to forgive me. Hmm. Or, or I have forgiven them. I really have. But it hasn't changed him a bit. In fact, if, if you don't mind me saying, I mean, we talked about this last week about, you know, you, we're to put the other person's desires above our own. And this goes into that. What happens when you do that to your spouse? When you put their desires over yours, but they don't reciprocate that, right? right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. So there's a verse in Proverbs that I want to take a look at. Proverbs, excuse me, Proverbs 17, verse 9. And it says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Let's just stop right there. Let's just pretend that's all there is to it. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. It's kind of like saying plants grow when you put them in the sunlight. A flower will bloom if you give it water. Things grow when they're in an environment that is good for growing. But if we are harboring resentment, if we are harboring 
pain, if we are harboring bitterness, we are not giving ourselves the opportunity to be kind for love to grow. We are not forgiving that forgiveness that is needed. Now look at the second half of the verse. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Would you say that your spouse is your close friend? I hope so. For or, some of you who said yes, that's awesome. Or maybe used to be your close friend. Right. If we fail to forgive, love does not prosper, it withers. Hmm. Forgiveness is like the fertilizer in the soil of that potting mix of love. Mm. Mm. That was pretty good. Sounds dirty. <laughs> oh, no. No dirty okay, with that dirt. Well, that is two. Well, I'm not trying to Hey, it's Mother's Day. I'm trying to keep my thoughts I'm already pure. a mother. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. All right, keep on going. Three times. All right. Let's just be done with that. Three times I'm 80. Yeah. Anyway. You know, a lot of times I think that people think that Christians are kind of hypocritical in this, in this area of forgiveness. You know, we, um, we talk about how we, we want to forgive and we want to be long-suffering and we want to show mercy and compassion on all of this, but let, let one of our own, let a fellow brother or sister in Christ find themselves in a situation where they're struggling and sometimes, man, we, we are the quickest one to throw the, throw the arrows, we're the quickest ones to load up and, and hurl some condemnation their way. And we don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to be known for the grace that we show, for the love that we show, for the forgiveness that we show. Sometimes we don't offer it to someone because we don't feel like they deserve it. Is that our decision to make? If we were standing in that place, we would certainly hope that someone would be willing to show us love and forgiveness and mercy because of what Christ has done for them. Out of all that has been done for us, who are we? Who are we to look at our spouse and say, well, you just, you just haven't earned it. You just don't deserve it. So um, another story that comes to mind from Scripture is the lady who was caught in adultery. You know, she's, she's in bed with someone who is not her husband, and some of the chief uh, religious people come in and catch her there. Man, they are on it. Grab her, drag her out into the middle of the street where Jesus is, throw her down in the middle of the street, and um, start saying, well, this is it. She's done it. This is a crime that is punishable by death. She's gone too far this time. You know, here's this woman out there, maybe, maybe got to grab a bed sheet, maybe, to cover herself. Can you imagine being more exposed than that? You're there in your nakedness in the middle of the street with a bunch of men standing around, stones in their hands, ready to throw, ready to condemn. And let's look at John chapter 8, verses 7 through 9. I want you to see how Jesus responds when he's there. It says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. And he stooped down and he began writing in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. You feel like you've ever been in that place? You've been dragged out of something that you really shouldn't have been involved with anyway, and everybody wants to hurl the insult. Everybody's ready to condemn. Everybody's ready to point out what is wrong. And you're just like, oh, I just need some mercy. I just need some forgiveness. I know I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, my question is, in the story that, 
that happens in, in, in John chapter 8 with Jesus and the woman caught in adultery is where was, her, where was her husband? I mean, the religious leaders, they didn't have a right to throw a stone at her. But the husband had every right to throw a stone at her. And that's the tension that we're going to wrestle with today. The tension that we're looking at is, as a Christian, we know we're not supposed to throw stones. We know that. We have been called to forgive. But what do you do with the stone when you have every right to throw it? What do you do with it? What do you do with this whole idea of forgiveness when you know you deserve better? When what happened to you should have never happened, what do you do with the stone then? Well, in order to talk about that, we need to talk about what does it mean to forgive? What is forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive someone? Well, the word forgive is an accounting term, and it literally means to release someone from a debt owed. When, when you forgive someone, you are releasing them from a debt that they owe you. You give up your right to get them back, to pay them back. And last week, we talked a lot about what does your spouse owe you. We asked everyone to make a list last week of those expectations. How many of y'all made that list? Anybody in here? All right, very good. Thank you very much. We, oh, Kim and I, we talked about a list. Um, and, uh, you know, some of it, I, some of the things that I thought was going to be on your list wasn't. Some of the things that was on my list didn't make it, you know, it just kind of vice versa. Some of the things that I expect, and remember, we talked about this. You can always tell an expectation when you, when you don't thank somebody for it, but you just expect it, right? Um, these are some of the things, like uh, ironing. That was on my list, right? Um, making sure that we're going to have some type of meal sometime, all right? Um, uh, Kim, um, well, we're not going to go about that because that, that would be my third strike, but um, <laughs> just saying, but she had mentioned that one for me. You all know what I'm talking about, and uh, that actually didn't make it on my top three, um, but, um, but now that you, anyway, it's like, you know, it goes. Um, now that we're so, talking about it. Actually, uh, what, what were some of your things on your list? Um, for me, um, the first one was provision, um, that I want Chris to provide for us, to provide for our family. Um, not that I'm not willing to help do the same, but I don't know, just somewhere in my mind growing up that a man is a provider. Um, I, I want to know that I'm protected. I want to know that he is my knight in shining armor. And if someone were to come after me, that he would banish his sealed, <laughs> shield and sword <laughs> uh, and take care of me. And then, um, and then security is huge for me. Um, knowing that um, not just safe physically, but that I'm safe, my heart is safe, um, that my emotions are kept safe. So um, while, my, while Chris's may tend to be a little bit more the actual physical care of cooking, cleaning, ironing, whatever, um, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine tend to be a little bit more, I think, of that emotional connection. Um, and even though I think there are some chores that are guy chores, I'll be honest with you, mowing the grass, mm -hmm. um, you know, but um, just that idea that more than that, I really appreciate the emotional support that he gives. Sure. So, so I hope you guys wrestled with that list. If you haven't, I'd encourage you this week, you need to write down that list. What are some of those things that your spouse owes you? Uh, and that's what we're talking about. When you think, okay, my spouse owes me this, to forgive someone means you don't owe me anything. So you need to wrestle with this. Let me ask you another question. What does your ex-spouse owe you? 
um, it maybe um, they stole from you your children. Maybe they stole from you the dream that you were going to be together forever, but you're not. For others of you, you may need to forgive a mom who walked out on you at an early age and abandoned you. For others, it may be um, a family member or somebody who, who maybe just abused you in a horrific way, and they stole from you innocence. You know, when we, when we work through forgiveness, that's when we say, okay, in order to forgive, you don't owe me anymore. I'm, I'm not going to try to pay you back. I'm not going to try to get even. You don't owe me anymore. So when you choose not to forgive, it leads to anger. Anger leads to frustration and bitterness and hatred. And all of that comes from unforgiveness. And all the good, lovey, passionate stuff that was in your marriage evaporates because one of the things we're going to look at when you have resentment and unforgiveness it can't exist in a marriage and intimacy they both they can't exist together look at what ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says great verse of scripture fantastic one of the most hardest verses of scripture to obey verses 31 and 32 this is what it says look at this get rid of let's just stop right there in fact, just look at some of those words uh, up on the screen. Get rid of. What, do you, what are we supposed to get rid of? Bitterness. Somebody, somebody else. Anger, rage, harsh. I mean, just Paul's just saying, just get rid of that. Right? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, as well as all types of malicious behavior. The pattern of harboring resentment and unforgiveness is exhausting. If you've ever been there, you know. My best example is when I am harboring something, dealing with something, how am I going to forgive? How am I going to move on? Um, How am I going to keep this from becoming a way of life for me? Hmm. How am I going to keep this from becoming the thing that I nurse, the thing that I feed? You know, we've probably all been there. You know, you might be in the bathroom getting ready. And, and, and you start having this conversation like, well, if I could have said what I wanted to say, I would have said, no, 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 You know, and, and it's just, wow, we can have some great conversations in the bathroom mirror, can't we? When, we just, when we've got that space and time and we're just kind of going through, well, this is what I really would say if I could say it. And every time we do that, we're just feeding that, that unforgiveness, the resentment, the hurt that's there. And so we have to find a way to not let that anger control us. That's just exhausting to us. Time that we could be pouring into other things, we pour into that, and it really just wears us out. Because does that other person ever hear that? No. The bathroom mirror might have heard it about 50 times, but that other person hasn't heard it. And and let's put ourselves in the place of the person that's waiting for forgiveness. Let's put ourselves in the place of the one who knows there's not anything they can ever do that's going to meet up to your standard. Anything that's going to meet up to your goal. It's just too much for them because it's just been so much time and they failed and they failed and they failed and they failed and the wall starts being built up and they start walking around on eggshells because they know that no matter what, it's not going to be enough for you. And that idea of forgiveness is letting go of that. Give that person some breathing room. Give them some forgiveness. We were talking earlier about 
uh, um, for those of you who have ever been to college or a master's degree or whatever, if you had to go on student loans, I don't know what it is about those things. They don't ever seem to get smaller. They just don't. We, Chris got his master's degree, and I mean, that, that bill still comes every month for that student loan. And I look at that thing, I get my end-of-the-year statement on it, it's like, you have paid $2 on your principal. $2! Thousands of dollars in interest have gone to this loan, and I'm $2 closer to the end. How is that possible? 15 years, people! 15 years! And can you imagine that that is how some of us feel with one another? I've been married to you for 15 years. I've been trying to prove myself to you for 15 years. You've been mad at me for 15 years. And what type of gift would we give? Look up back again, Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Get rid of all types of malicious behavior. Let's own that for ourselves. Let's stop trying to look at what the other person has done in that list of misdeeds that they have. And let's look at what we need to change. Every time something comes up, do I have to come back with something else? Paul is saying, you know what? You can be free of that. Mm, that's right. If you'll just shut your mouth for a minute. If you will just take that bag that you are carrying with that huge amount of debt in it, and if you'll just dump it out. Because you're just killing yourself. It's exhausting for you. It's exhausting for your spouse. Look at verse 32, Ephesians 4, 32. Instead, be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. There's the key right there. Forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Sometimes at our house, we have three boys, and sometimes if they're just like, ee, 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 you know, they're just eating each other alive, I'll just walk in the room and go, by coda. Be ye kind one to another. Just that kindness that we can show. If we'll just start... All the time. I'm sorry to keep doing that. It just keeps coming out. I don't know what's wrong with me today. But just that idea of if we can just show some kindness, if we can just be tender-hearted toward one another, if we can just open up and forgive, if you get you just you you open up a door and you get rid of stuff. I don't know. Are any of you in here pack rats? Not a sink. Oh, there he is. (laughs) Thank you for admitting that. You're welcome. Chris has an emotional attachment to a lot of things. One of them is a feather <laughs> that he found on a hike in a Boy Scout event. And what grade was that? Second? Yeah, second grade. That's it right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know where it is? It's at his mom's house in a box filled with other trinkety kind of things, of things that I can't even recognize, y'all. And, he, and we open the box and he's like, my feather. I love that feather. You know, that is something that he's just been hanging on to for a long time. It is not coming to 2155 Watertown Place. That's all I got to tell you about that. (laughs) But we just, you know, sometimes when we hang on to all that old stuff, we don't have room for anything new. If you hang on to all that unforgiveness, all that resentment, all that, that bitterness and all of that, you don't have any room for anything else because you're holding on to the old stuff. And I just want to pick, you got, you're hanging on to all the bad stuff, and like you said, you don't have any room for all of the good stuff, the passion, the love, 
the intimacy. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at our big idea today, but before we do that, we're going to put both of these verses together, and that's what we're going to see our big idea come uh, to light. It says this, get rid of, in fact, let's all say this. Can we do that? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven. Here's our big idea today. When, where resentment and unforgiveness lives, intimacy dies. I'll say that one more time. Where resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness, where that lives, intimacy dies. This happens in marriage relationships, but it happens in every relationship. If you, I mean, if you have a friend, all right, uh, what's so cool about today's message, if you're not married, you can totally apply everything that we're talking about today, because this will break up friendships. This will break up family relationships. This will break up marriages. When you choose not to forgive, it will poison the relationship and intimacy will die. Unforgiveness robs marriage of intimacy. But forgiveness brings back intimacy. Let me, you, you know what forgiveness is? Two things I want to show you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is two things. Forgiveness is a decision that you make. Forgiveness is what? A decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You see, some of you, you've been waiting for you to start feeling like you should forgive that person. You're going to be waiting until the end of the Mayan calendar of 2012 for you to never, it's just not going to happen. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is what? A decision. It's a decision. We see all throughout the Bible where Jesus commands, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. If Jesus is commanding us to forgive, he's not, we can't command feelings, right? You ever tried doing that with maybe a little child who's two years old, and it's thundering and lightning, and they're afraid, and you command them, don't be afraid. Does that ever work? It doesn't, because you can't command feelings. But forgiveness, praise God, isn't a feeling. In fact, we read this story in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Peter asked Jesus a question. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive my spouse? That isn't what it says. Forgive someone who sins against me, right? Seven times? Now, in their mindset, three times was like, it was kind of like three strikes and you're out. In fact, the most religious people said, you know what? If I lend you $5,000, you don't pay it back, I'm going to forgive it. And then you ask for some more money, I'm going to give it to you again, you don't pay it back, I'm going to forgive it. But you ask me the third time, and you don't pay it back, I'm done with you. That was the, the most religious people chose three as a number. So Peter's thinking through, okay, three, we need to be better than that. So I'm going to double that and add one, right? And some of you, that's how, that's how you've been doing with your marriage. I'm going to double it, and I'm going to add one. And Peter says, so seven, I'm good with that, right? He's thinking, Jesus is going to go, you are so spiritual. But Jesus didn't do that. What did Jesus say? No, not seven times. Okay, eight, nine, no. But 70 
times seven. We have to choose forgiveness. Jesus tells Peter to forgive, which means forgiveness is a decision. And let me tell you, forgiveness is a decision that you need to make, not because they deserve it. Forgiveness is a decision many times that you have to make so that it's not just for their benefit. Sometimes it's just even more for your benefit. I'll give you an example. Some of you, you need to forgive a mom or dad who's dead. You can forgive them. They're not going to get any benefit of that, are they? But it's eating you alive. So you need to forgive. It's for just as much your benefit than it is theirs. Huge. Now, second one. Forgiveness means not keeping a record. Not keeping a record. There's a story about a husband and wife that goes to a marriage counselor. And the marriage counselor says, tell me, what's going on in your marriage? And the husband says, you know what? This woman, when we get angry, man, we start getting into fights, she gets historical. What? Don't you mean hysterical? No, I meant what I said, historical. Because when we fight, she brings up last year, five years ago, 15 years ago, and she brings up the entire past. What are you looking at me for? I mean, you need to start going, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I think we had that conversation yesterday as well. We've been talking a lot. We have. Well, this has been good for us. Right, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, we were talking about when uh, when we were living in Dallas, I got my hair cut really short. You know, one of those times I probably shouldn't have gotten quite that much taken off. And um, Chris and I were laying in bed talking one night, and he starts laughing at me. And I was like, what's the matter? He's like, you look like alfalfa. <laughs> that, that probably wasn't the best thing to say. I still remember that. Is that mm-hmm. being historical? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Keep yeah. I do bring that up far too often. <laughs> anyway, so um, watch out for that historical. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a lot of us know that as the love chapter. And, you know, it starts out talking about just all the different things that love does and what it doesn't do. And I want to take a look at verses 4 and 5. It says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. How often can we say that about ourselves? Mm. That we keep no record of wrong. No record of wrong with our spouses. No record of wrong with our children. That's a big one. No record of wrong with our friends. So often we find ourselves trapped in the thing of saying, when we get in a sort, you know, we're, we're struggling with something. Will you always? Will you never? You used to. You ought to. And we go to these extremes of putting our spouse or our children somewhere where they really, they're, they're not going to be able to come out of that. If you've already made up your mind that someone always does this or never does that, then you're not even giving them a chance. You're not even giving them any room to begin to make that effort. Look at the first part of this verse again. Love is patient. Love is kind. If we could focus on those two attributes of our love, everything else that comes after it in that verse, enviness and boastfulness and pride and rudeness and self-seeking, how much of that would automatically be taken care of if we just did the first two? If we just took the time to be patient and took the time to be kind. We've heard that thing about, well, just just forgive and forget. Just act like it never happened. Well, forgiveness is good, but honestly, sometimes it's hard to forget, isn't it? 
I mean, we, we want to be careful with that. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, there's a, there's a verse that says, you, you will keep your friends if you forgive them, but you will lose your friends if you keep talking about what they did wrong. Once again, there's that illustration. We're always going back to the past. We're always digging up a dead cat. We're, we're always bringing up, you never, you always. We're not able to move on because we just, we've, got them, so we've got the other person so boxed in of what they did or what they didn't do. Uh, Garth Brooks, great theologian, and many of you probably have heard of him. Um, he has a song that he sings, and, and the words are this. Um, it's getting to the point that we can't get along. We're always fighting about things of what should be dead and gone. We buried the hatchet. We leave the handle sticking out. We're always digging up things that we should just forget about. We buried the hatchet, but we left the handle sticking out. So when I get to the point... You didn't say nothing. You just thought it was cute. That's cute. I'm going to grab it. That's what I was going to do. Leave it alone. So we get to the point where, you know, we've, we've gotten so far, and then, and then it's like, oh, here it is. Remember this. And our, <laughs> should I just stop now? No, I think I should. I think I should just stop now. Just go. Next, next point. Well, uh, the Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says this. Hatred stirs up old quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Um, somebody tell me, what am I holding? Spades. How many of y'all have ever played the game spades? All right, cool. This is an ace of spades. Now, when you're playing spades, this is the card you want, isn't it? Because this is the trump card. Um, when everybody's playing spades and somebody throws down maybe a ten of spades, somebody throws down the king of spades, you're like, eh, no, I got this. And you throw down Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades trumps anything and everything, and you will win that hand if you have this card. Let me ask you just a quick question. Do you have a trump card with your spouse? Now let me, let me push down into this a little bit more. When you fight, do you have an event, a circumstance, a time in which the other person, person did something wrong and sinful, and every time you fight... All you have to do is just barely bring it out, and you win the argument. I mean, do you have a trump card with your spouse, and you just continue to use it? Because here's the thing. If you have a trump card with your spouse, and you continue to use it, and you're fighting, let me tell you, all good relationships, they fight. Somebody has, fought, if, has fed you a line if somebody's told you, you know, good marriages never fight. That's incorrect. Um, I tell you, we fight less than we have when we were first married. Our first year was the Greek word for hell, all right? <laughs> Hades, all right? And we, and we both will know. In fact, next week, we're talking about what made it so difficult. It mainly was me, and it's how I dealt I, <laughs> It's how I dealt with money. All right, we're going to talk about that next week. But here's the thing it may be that every time you have these discussions or fights because of something, a sinful, really bad, poor choice that your spouse made five years ago, 10 years ago, you never let them live it down. 
Let me tell you, if you have a trump card, here's the, here's the point I want to make, and you always use it when to, so that you can win a conflict, what will happen is that your relationship will never progress any farther. Because every time you try to work through the conflict and fighting, you're going to throw your trump card and you win. And that relationship will be frozen in time. It will get stuck, and intimacy will die. Let me tell you, as we close, intimacy is a process. As we talk about forgiveness is a process. As we've been talking about forgiveness and anger and unforgiveness, you need to know that you're not going to be able to say, okay, I forgive you, and it all be done. You may have to say that once a day in your mind. You may have to have a lot of conversations at the mirror, right, when when you're getting your hair done. You may have to have a lot of conversations, and you may have to choose forgiveness maybe even every minute. But let me tell you, when we choose to forgive, intimacy will grow. Now, as we close, Kim has a couple of things, a couple of application points, because all this stuff is really kind of here right now, and it's just difficult. So let's talk about that. The first one is that forgiveness is free, but trust is earned. You've gotten through whatever it is you're dealing with. You've been able to forgive or perhaps you've received forgiveness for something that you've done and then it's time to keep moving forward. Just because you've been forgiven or you've given forgiveness doesn't mean that everything is flower and sunshine and roses. That's when the rubber starts to meet the road. That's when you start to build into one another and you build that trust. You know, probably there's many of us in here that may have experienced some type of relationship, whether a friend or a spouse or whatever, where, you know, there may have been a continual pattern of hurt for a while. And after a while, you're just like, ooh, I forgive you, but I just don't know if I can just, I don't know if I can be close to you anymore. I don't know if I want to put myself back in the path of what might be another issue. And we get to that place where we're just scared to do it. We're just, it's like, oh, do I dare? And please hear me, I think that that's something that we really have to pray through in our relationships about, you know, as we forgive someone, what are the steps that we take to begin to earn trust? Doesn't mean you have to just put all your stuff out there all the time necessarily, especially in a friendship relationship. Doesn't mean that you just have to like, whoop, here you go, here's everything I've got. In a a marriage relationship, it's a little bit different because you're under the same roof. You're living with that person. There is that level of intimacy you want to rebuild. But just keep in mind that forgiveness doesn't mean, well, you just got your get-out-of-jail-free card and now everything's go good and you can just do whatever you want to. Mm. If you've been the one that's received forgiveness, then show that you want to be worthy of it. Begin to invest in that other person. Begin to look at what their desires are. Begin to make steps in that direction. Mm. If you're the one who has given forgiveness, then don't bring it up. Mm. Don't bury the hatchet, but leave the handle sticking out. Let it go, but keep building. And that's huge. You, you need to, uh, Kim said some really good stuff there. You know, some of these things, when it comes to forgiveness, we think, you know what, okay, in order to forgive, I need to lay down and continue being a doormat. That's not what this means. If you're hanging out with somebody and they keep on, they're, they're keeping on wounding you and wounding you and they ask forgiveness and you offer it and then you, they keep on wounding you and they ask forgiveness and you forgive them. Let me tell you, after a while, you can forgive them that that doesn't mean you should hang out with somebody that toxic. That's huge. All right? The second point when it comes to forgiveness is this, is forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior, but it prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. You know, many times we think, okay, if I forgive this person, that means they get away with it. If I forgive, that means that what they did was okay. 
I mean, if you forgive your ex-wife, you're saying that that, that that was okay what she chose. If you forgive your ex-husband, that means, you know what, the affair was okay. And it wasn't okay. For others of you, um, you think, you know, if I forgive my dad for him taking away my innocence, then that means it's okay. It's not okay. You see, forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. It keeps their behavior from destroying your life. That's huge. Forgiveness is not saying that, you know what, stamp of approval. What they did, okay. Forgiveness doesn't excuse. Forgiveness heals. It heals every wound. Anne Lamott said it like this. Resentment is like drinking poison, and unforgiveness is like drinking poison expecting somebody else to die. Isn't that true? I mean, we get so angry with somebody else, and and we just keep on drinking this poison, this bitterness, and all this stuff, and it affects us, and it doesn't hurt them at all. They're sleeping well at night. You're the one that has ulcers. So that's huge. The last point is forgiveness isn't forgiveness if you keep on playing the trump card. Forgiveness isn't forgiveness if you keep on bringing it up. It is impossible to forgive and to forget. You cannot forgive. Excuse me. You cannot forget. I just said something unbiblical. You need to forgive. All right? You need to forgive. But you know what? It's impossible uh, for us to forget. We can't forget the past, but you can choose not to bring it up anymore. All right? We have a couple of questions. All right? Actually, we got tons of questions, but we're going to be able to try to hit some. Um, Let's go right here. Uh, How do you forgive our ex for emotional and mental abuse? to be able to let others in and love again. I I would just say this, um, and I could say this, answer this with a lot of the text. Um, It's going to be a process for you to do that. It's going to be a choice. And I'll tell you, one of the things, you're going to be peeling back this level, uh, these layers of the onion. There's going to be a lot of tears and weeping. And one of the things that's going to help you through that is being able to find a counselor, to be able to bring someone into your life who's not knee-deep in your mess and be able to help you walk through that. That is huge. Uh, Kim and I have been to counseling before. There's nothing wrong with that. If you've not been to counseling, you probably need to. All right? I'll just be honest with you. All right? One of the things I try to do regularly is at least once a year, I go to, the, uh, to a counselor because everybody's always bringing me their mess. I need to bring my mess to somebody just to say, hey, am I okay? Is this normal? Right? Am I normal? And sometimes the counselor says, no, you are not normal. Okay? Okay, I can live with that. And then I work through my abnormalities. But it takes somebody from the outside doing that. But that's a great, great question. Um, and the whole, you know, how do you love again? Again, I think that comes by trusting. It comes by not always going to the negative, but choosing the positive over the negative. But I would say this, what Kim's point is, you know what, just because you forgive them doesn't mean you, they automatically earn back trust. All right, let's go through another one. Um, how do you forgive someone that will not allow you in to forgive? Is forgiving them in your heart and soul enough? Mm. You know, Chris brought up a good point at the end of the first service, and I think this is something we really have to tie all of this up with. The ultimate example that we have of forgiveness is the way that Christ has forgiven us. If we try to filter things through our mindset, inevitably, something is not going to, it's not going to be right. 
because we don't have the mind of Christ. And so I think sometimes if we can step back from a situation and look at what have I been forgiven of? What are the things that Christ forgives me for every day? And sometimes when something that may seem so huge in a relationship, something we're just like, how can I forgive this person for that? How can I let that go? That when we honestly just stand and just think about what Christ has done for us, that he gave his life for us, for all of the sins in our past, for what we'll do today, for everything in the future, How can we not be compelled to forgive someone else? Does that make it easy? No, it does not. But knowing that Christ is willing and does that for us day after day after day, let that be an encouragement to each one of us. Let that be a message of hope and and a reminder of his great love for us. And that certainly, if we can stand in and receive and live fully in the love and in the forgiveness and the mercy of Christ, then we can pray to him and ask him for a heart that is the same towards someone else. You know, I have like nine more text questions that I'm not going to have enough time to answer. And all of those has to deal with infidelity in affairs. I'm going to tell you, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after next, we're going to be tackling that. It's going to be a difficult one, to be honest with you, because there's not, there's not a lot, there isn't any easy answers with this. So I'd encourage you guys, just for time's sake, in two weeks, make sure to come, because um, we're going to be talking, we're going to be tackling that. Um, I want to just be able to pray for y'all, and, uh, and pray for us, that we would continue to apply these messages, uh, because as you can tell, Kim and I, we're not perfect in this. We're still growing, we're still working out stuff. I still got junk, and so does she. Um, But I want you to hear us clearly say that even though we're not perfect, healthy marriages, healthy relationships, you you fight for your marriage. I mean, you're you're not just fighting in, but you're fighting for, and you're working on those difficult stuff. And if you're working through that, find a counselor, somebody that can come alongside you to help you walk through those difficult times of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much, Lord. Um, I thank you so much, Lord, for relationships. Lord, um, I really feel like one of the big reasons why you allow us all to have relationships is because uh, that's one way that we are made to be like your son. Uh, Lord, your word says in Proverbs, Lord, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And God, it's through relationships and the honing of relationships, and especially our most important relationship outside of you, Jesus Christ, our marriage relationship. Lord, I pray that we are, will become and continue to become men and women who will choose forgiveness. Lord, that we would be men and women who will get rid of the anger, get rid of all of the slander, all of the bad stuff, so that intimacy will grow. And Lord, just for all of the pain A lot of those text questions, Lord, all the pain of infidelity, God. Lord, I just pray for those in here this morning who have broken hearts. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would just just bind them up. And, Lord, your word says in Matthew 11, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord, I pray that we would be able to take all of our mess to you, Jesus, and you would be able to make it all right. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.